Well, let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father. I just, I'm so, have such energy and just thunderings rolling in my spirit, Lord. I thank you that you help me to communicate all that you've shown me for today. Help me to clear it, get it out clearly, communicate it clearly, articulate it in the exact way so that the ears of the church can hear it and run with it. Run our race with joy and complete it, Father. Thank you for the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We give you all the glory. Amen. It says, for our weapons are not carnal, but they're what? Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The only thing that can pull down strongholds is what? The Word of God. Amen? So we're going to read our scripture here in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read it in, from verse 10 to 18. This is the New King James. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you, may, that you may be able to stand against the tactics and the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Not just part of the armor, but the whole armor that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, you keep standing, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, we're going to see what that means, but above all, taking the shield of faith with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, which is the Word of God, or, excuse me, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. For a Roman soldier, the shield and the loin belt were inseparable. The shield actually clipped to the loin belt. There was a clip on the belt. And the, when the shield was not in use, it hung on the loin belt of truth. So the loin belt and the shield were inseparable. They worked together. Okay? And we know that the belt of truth is representative of the word of God. And the shield is representative of what? Our faith. It's called the shield of faith. So our faith is attached to the Word of God. We can even say this, that our faith rests on the truth. Okay? The loin belt of truth is the Word of God. The shield of faith, how does faith come? By hearing the Word. So you've got to have truth, right, which builds your faith. You won't have a shield to use if you don't impart yourself 
with the truth of God's word. So if we fail to give the word of God top priority in our life, it will only be a matter of time before our faith fails, before it weakens and decreases. The presence or the absence of the word of God will determine the amount of faith that you have in your life. And it will determine its strength. So the word is very important. The amount of word equals the amount of faith. Okay? We need the shield of faith to quench or to stop the, the arrows, the darts. They're really not darts because when you think of darts, you think of the dart game, right? He doesn't shoot just little piddly darts. He shoots missiles. He shoots arrows. And, but in order for you to stop those missiles, stop those arrows, and sometimes they're flaming. We're going to see that. You've got to have the shield of faith. But the only way that your shield of faith will stop those missiles, stop those arrows, is if it's the word of God. Because that's the only thing that's stronger than any of the tactics, any of the enemy. Okay? In Romans 10, 17, we can see that it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't matter what translation that you look that up in, it says it all the same. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Right? Well, we could also say the same is true. Faith comes by anything that you hear. If you listen to the news all the time, what do you end up having faith in? The news. And then it changes your attitude. And then you're like down and you're gloomy and you're depressed and you're worried and you're, oh, my word, what's going to happen? Oh, what are we going to do? Our country's failing. Oh, what are we going to do? The economy is bad. Oh, what are we going to do? If you, whatever you listen to, okay, gets down on the inside of your heart, right? So it builds faith in that area. So, yes, faith comes by hearing the word, but whatever you're hearing, that forms a, uh, it forms a, a confidence and a trust and a faith in whatever you're listening to, okay? So it's very important that we listen to the right thing. Whatever you believe is important. What you believe is important. You've got to believe the right thing. You know, when you listen to things, they're made up of words. Words are very important. Words are like building blocks. They form an image. They form a picture. They form a belief. Really and truly, we don't have time to get into it today, but words are, um, in, the, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, it's like little Legos. You've heard of logos? That's the Greek word for word, logos. That's where we get Legos. You know the little building blocks that kids play with? That's where that word came from. So words are like Legos. You hook them together, and what happens? You can make something, right? That's the way the wor words are. So it's very important what you hear because word upon word upon word upon word builds an image in your mind Okay, in the mind are where strongholds are formed. 
then if you hear it, it drops down in here, it becomes what you believe, and then you live out of what you believe. We live out of what we believe. Think about that for a second. Let's just do a checkup. If we live out of what we believe, how are you living? Are you living faith? Are you, are you speak? Because we speak what we live. We speak what we believe. So are we believing right? Are we getting the right things down on the inside of us and are we letting them come out? If we're not, we need to tweak some things. We need to change some things. Because it has everything to do with when you need your shield of faith to block if it's going to work or not. Because what you say is what you believe and then you live out of what you believe. Okay? Are you with me? In Italian, we say, ci sei, are you with me? I would say, ci siete, because it's you all. So, do you have your armor on this morning? Did you come with your armor on? Hallelujah. So what you believe is vitally important. I remember as a teenager, there would be some music that I would want to listen to, and my parents weren't necessarily you know, approving of that music. And I would say to them, but I'm just listening to the music. I'm not listening to the words. <laughs> Did anybody else in here say that? I'm not listening to the words, I promise. I'm just listening to the music. And they were right. Not. Because what would you do? You'd sing the song. We could probably, if they rolled some of those songs today, we could probably, we could remember the words. But the point that my mom and dad were trying to make, and I just couldn't get it at the time, was those words are bad. They had a revelation of what it was building in my heart and in my mind. I didn't at that time. I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to listen to what everybody else was listening to. I wanted to go to the movies that everyone else was going to. You know, those were the days when all those Freddy Krueger movies and the horror movies and everything, and my parents wouldn't let me go see them. Because they were like, you don't understand, you're going to have nightmares. But when they got out on DVD, which DVD wasn't back then, it was the VHS, the, you know, the, the cassette tapes, right? And um, we would, I, I, Mom, I, I snuck and I watched those horror movies at somebody's house. I'm confessing. I never told her that. But I, but I watched them. But you know what it did? It made me to have nightmares exactly like what they said. So what you watch, what you, what you allow into your ear gate and your eye gate makes a difference. It's very important, right? So God places a premium on words. Like I said, they're building blocks. They hook together and they create an image um, in your mind. So we can clearly see that faith and the word of God are uniquely coupled together. That's why if there's no word, there will be no faith. In the same way, if there's no faith in somebody's life, it's probably because there's no word. Okay? If you come across somebody and they don't have faith, it's because they don't have the word on it. You see, this is not just any book. This is our manual. This is our life manual. Everything in here we believe. 
This is God's final authority, final word on everything. I don't care what your situation says. This, I want to know what the word says about it. Okay? So this is our life manual. Right? So, if someone doesn't have faith, it's because there's been no word. So that's our job. Sow the word. Sow the word into their life, and there will be faith. There will be come faith. So, you know, it's possible for some people to hear the word, but it doesn't take root in their life. It, we say that it goes in one ear and out the other. So when we hear the word, it's vital to do it because that's how faith comes. When you hear the word, you've got to immediately do it. You know, in the book of Mark in chapter 4, it talks about the parable of the sower, and it's going through the four different kinds of soil, and it talks about the heart. He likened, Jesus likens the heart as soil, and it talks about those four things. But it's interesting what it says in verse 9. I want you to look at that with me really quick. Go to Mark chapter 4, but I just want to look at, look at verse 9. Sorry, it's... Uh, Luke. No, it's Mark. Hang on, I'm looking in the wrong Bible. It's Mark chapter 4, verse 9. And this is what Jesus said. He said, He who has ears to hear, let him be hearing. And let him consider and comprehend. Now this is after he was talking about the four types of ground in, of the heart, okay? But isn't it interesting that he closes that and he says, you who have ears, let him, and what that means in Greek is hearing, but keep on hearing. Be hearing, be being hearing, or in other words, we would say, keep hearing. You got to keep hearing. So you got to keep hearing the word and keep hearing the word and keep hearing the word. Repeat it over and over again. We've got to have it in our ear all the time because that's when we get something. I don't know about you, but I've got to hear something more than one time for it to get down on the inside of me. I can't just hear it once and then go, okay, got it. Mm, you're good. I, I need to hear it over and over again. So I thought that was very interesting that he t hearing and comprehending is very important. Okay? So remember, our faith rests on the truth. The shield of faith rests on the belt of truth. There's so many things in our life that, that depend on the amount of truth. Think about this, the knowledge of your righteousness. If there's no word, you're not going to know that you're righteous. Walking in love, you're not going to know how to walk in love. You're not going to understand how important it is 
to walk in love if we don't have truth. There's so many things that depend on the amount of truth. Renewing our minds only comes by the word. So I want to move on and I want to talk about the Roman soldiers, two types of shields. He had two types. There was one that was small and it was round. You know, so big. And it was highly decorated with a lot of engraving and etching. But it was only used for parades and public use, ceremonies and things like that. It wasn't used for combat because it wasn't designed for combat. It was only designed to be for decor purposes, okay? The shield that they use in battle was a large, massive shield. It was usually the width of a door and almost body length, okay? Um, it was large. It was oblong. Now, the word that when Paul uses to describe the shield of faith, that word in Greek is thurios. And I know it, that doesn't mean a whole lot, but it really does when you break this down. It's so interesting. I really want you to listen to what I'm going to say. This word comes from the, the root word, uh, well, that word thurios, which was, it meant, it meant that long, oblong, door-sized shield, okay? Now, that root word comes from a word called thuria, which also means door or doorway, an entrance by which sheep come in, an entrance by which salvation comes in. Now, isn't that interesting? That word thurios is what that word shield is in the Greek. If you go to John chapter 10 and Jesus says, I am the door, and the sheep enter in through the door, that's the same word. So Jesus is a shield. He's a doorway. Salvation comes in through that doorway. When you use your shield of faith and it's built up, salvation comes through there. Protection comes through there. Jesus is your shield. He's always been in protection. He's always been in the, def in the, in the defense business. Jesus and the Father have always been in the defense business. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but when I got this, I was just, I couldn't keep still. If you go back to Genesis chapter 15, he tells Abraham, I am your shield, I am your compensation, I am your reward, I am everything that you need. So he talks about shields way back in Genesis. He was all about protection. He is all about provision. He is all about being the doorway in which what you need comes through. But at the same time, it's a protective force field for us as well. But faith enters through the door. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't have faith. It's interesting that that root word for Roman shield would be the same word to describe our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He always, always wants to provide that protection. A way through. 
He wants to provide an entrance, but he also wants to provide an exit. He has the door that you're looking for. The Holy Spirit also wanted us to get this picture that God has given us enough faith to completely cover every situation. In Romans 12, 3, he said that God has given to each one the measure of faith. I haven't been given any more faith than you have. Did you know that? God gave us each the same measure. Now, it's up to us to develop it or not, right? That's our responsibility. He put that on us. He gave you the same measure that he gave everybody else, but it's up to us whether we're going to develop it. Faith is like a muscle. I don't lift weights, but I can lift 50 pounds, right? But if I lifted 50 pounds over and over and over again, I would be able to lift even more, right? Like someone who lifts weights, they don't start off bench pressing at 365 pounds. They probably start off at about 90 and work their way up. In fact, we're studying in the wilderness series about um, some things, and John Bevere used that, used that exact illustration. When he started bench pressing, he started at 90 pounds, but you know how long it took him to get up to 300, and I think it was 15. Nine years. Nine years of practicing, of working. Now, he didn't do it every single day, but it's a, over a period of time, that, but you're, you've got to use it. You've got to do it. And that faith will develop. You know, the shield, you like the shield? I almost forgot about it. You see, you've got to be able to use the shield. So it deflects the arrows and the missiles, right? So let me tell you about what it was made of. The shield was composed of approximately six really thick layers of animal hide. And they were tanned just so-so, and they were woven together. And so it was very sturdy. It was, it was almost like steel is what they say. It was so sturdy, so thick, so durable, okay? It was almost like steel. That's why when things hit it, it didn't penetrate it because it was so thick. And they, but they had to prepare it. It's interesting. Um, it needed care. The shield had to have care. Now, this is, this is styrofoam. Thank you to my precious husband who built this for me. But real Roman shields had to have a lot of care. They had to have oil rubbed on them so that they wouldn't get dry and brittle and then break. Because if they were brittle, think about this, if an arrow hit it or something that was really strong, you know, a big boulder or something that hit it, it would break in half. So they had to rub oil on it daily. You, does, does that click with anybody? We got to have the oil of the Holy Spirit 
rubbed on our shield of faith daily. So it doesn't get hard, it doesn't get brittle, and it doesn't break in half. If we just let the word sit on the shelf and we don't rub it with prayer, rub it with praise, we don't get in the word, we don't take care of our shield of faith, first of all, it doesn't do any good just sitting there. Sitting here doesn't do any good. I've got to pick it up and I've got to use it. This shield wasn't meant to, to, to just sit here and look nice. You have to pick it up and you have to, you have to use it. And the great thing about the shield is it was not meant to be beside me or behind me. I want to, I want to protect my shield because it's beautiful. I want to protect it. It wasn't supposed to be, you know, anywhere. I have to pick it up and I have to hold it in front of me. I have to do it. God gave it to me, but I have to use it. I have to pick it up, and I have to use it. So you've got to pick up your shield, and you've got to use it. If it's just sitting on the shelf, looking nice and pretty, maybe you dust it every now and then, it doesn't do you any good. Right? That's why this lifestyle of faith, it's interactive. We're in a battle, kids. I don't know about you. But the devil is always throwing something, trying to get me sidetracked, get my, break my concentration, break my focus. Just get me agitated. Just a burr under the saddle that's just frustrating. You know what I'm talking about? Just things that are just, it's not like the world's going to end kind of a problem. It's just an agitation, and it just like won't go away. It's like a mosquito bite. The word calls them the little foxes that kind of come and eat at the vine. But I'm telling you, you've got to stop them when they hit you so that they don't penetrate. Another thing is, if you don't oil your shield, if we don't oil our faith with the word of God, then... That stuff just eats at you and eats at you and eats at you. And you think, yeah, it's no big deal. I'll get over it. It's okay. It's no big deal. It's not life-shattering, we say. But it grows. It will snowball. And so we've got to stop the enemy in his tracks. Right? So this is vital for survival. Layer upon layer, this was made out of leather, layer upon layer of leather, but layer upon layer of preparation does our shield grow thick. Your shield will grow thick. It's just like your faith, okay? Your faith is one size when God gives it to you, but it grows as you develop it in the Word. Amen? So, We've got to take care of our shield the same way. Now look at this word, above all. I want to go back and look at this. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith. That's very important. 
this is a compound word in Greek. It's called epipassan. But it means a position over all other things are out in front, covering all. So above all, above all, we take the shield of faith. So in other words, it goes out in front of all the other armor. It's out in front. It's not behind me. It's not beside me. It's out in front of me. I hold it out in front. I don't hold it beside me. I don't hold it to my back. I hold it out in front of me. That's what above all means. This describes a position, not importance. So, you know, he, he talks about some of the armor before this, but then he says, above all, you take the shield of faith so that you can quench the fiery darts and the missiles of the enemy. Above all means in front of. It's a position. So, in front, you hold the word. Because when the enemy comes, you can block him with those words. Well, you're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. This is just a cycle in your life. It just repeats over and over all that junk that he, that he screams at you, that he says, you're never going to get over this. You're never going to conquer this. Whatever it he says, you block him with your shield. You block him with the word. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not guns and knives, right? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. You combat him with the word of God, with, with faith. So, this tells us that our faith is supposed to always be out in front. Never behind your back. You know, the Roman soldiers kept their shields out in front to defend themselves. Their lives depended on it. Did you realize that their lives depended on them oiling the shield? It depended on them oiling it and keeping it out in front. If they, if they failed to oil it and it broke in half, they would die. You know, if the, if the arrow, if the missile, whatever hit them, they could die. So it's very important that they keep it oiled, and that they kept it out in front. Look at that word, take. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith. That means to take up something in your hand or pick it back up again. So we can set the shield down. There are times that maybe we get tired. And so I've even heard, well, I'm just battle-worn. You know, I'm just battle-worn. I'm just tired. I'm just tired of things happening to me all the time. Well, as long as we live on this earth, there's going to be something that's coming against you, coming against especially if you're making an impact for the kingdom of God. The devil's going to come at you if you're a threat. But, you know, that's not a bad thing. We want to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. It's time that we stand up to the kingdom of darkness. It's, it's time. I mean, he is pushing. He is pushing. He is pushing. Do you guys see? I don't know if you see it or not. But do you see how he's pushing his ways into the world? And I'm not, not going to go into what all that is and what all it looks like. Y'all just, you, you know what I'm talking about. But he's pushing. 
Are we going to just sit back and just let him push? No. We need to rise up as the army of God that God has called us to be. We are in a war. We are in a battle. He's given us armor. He's given us all we need to conquer everything. So we need to stand up, lock our shields, and say no weapon formed against us will prosper. No weapon formed against my family. No weapon formed against my church. No weapon formed against my uh, grandkids. My finances, their finances, their future. It's time that we rise up and tell the enemy, no, not here, not now, wrong person. You've got to be a word toting, Bible quoting, soldier. Amen? So it's our responsibility to take up this shield. It's not going to take up on its own. It does not defend me if I don't take it up. It will do nothing for me. I have to take it. I have to use the word. When, when a situation comes against you, you have to immediately grab your word. You've got to take it serious. You've got to be serious, take it serious, and use the word and block it. Because if you don't, it will mess with your mind. You will get defeated. You will get discouraged. And then you'll go on Facebook and you'll say, well, what? this is what happened. What do you think about it? Well, what would you do? Well, what? All that whiny crap. And that's not going to get any of us anywhere. Right? Y'all laughing because you've done it, right? So it's our responsibility to pick up the shield and to block it. But isn't it great? Isn't it great? This just thrilled me to pieces because that word thurios is basically Jesus. To me, it's Jesus. So I'm holding Jesus out here. And you know, when I've got my armor on, the devil doesn't know that it's me. He doesn't know who it is. He doesn't know who it is, and it doesn't matter. All he sees is that bright, shiny army, that armor that blinds him. He just sees the shield, and he says, oh, Lord, there's Jesus. You know, in John, it says that the word was made flesh. So faith comes by hearing the word. And the word in Greek for shield is doorway, door of salvation. So when I hold up my shield, my salvation comes, my victory comes, my answer comes. The darts fall, the missiles fall, they're quenched. Another thing that's very interesting about the Roman shield is that right before battle, right before battle, the soldiers would go and they would soak 
and they would douse these. They would actually soak them in water. Now, why in the world would they soak the shield in the water with fiery darts? You see, the enemy uh, would use arrows, and they did the same thing, but arrows were made out of hollow reeds, and they would fill them with this flammable liquid. And sometimes on the end, they would wrap these rags, and they would set them on fire, and then they would shoot them. But if you hit a shield that's soaked with water, it would extinguish it. Ooh, glory. Does that not just make you happy? And want you, do you just not want to dance up in here? Because when, when his missiles want to hit my, my shield, ain't going to do nothing because they're going to be extinguished because it's full of the water of the word. You see, the word of God has been likened to the water. So the enemy can't take me out. He cannot take me down. Ha ha. He can't. He cannot. He loses. So I'm going to read that again. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able, not maybe, you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. When you read the word, you need to understand it's emphatic. Think about that. It doesn't say, if you pick up the shield, it might quench the darts. If you speak the word, it, it may do something. No, it's always emphatic. It's directive. The word is very directive. When we speak the word, we give it an assignment to fulfill something. God promises when we speak his word, it, it goes on an assignment to be fulfilled, and it won't come back to him void. That's why the word is so important. There's a lot of people that speak a lot of stuff. But it's not the truth. This is the only thing that's the truth. There's a lot of things that are factual. Mm -hmm. Lots of things that are factual. But remember, the truth of the word of God is always over fact. There's some people sitting in this house today that have been diagnosed with cancer, that were diagnosed with cancer. But they've used the word of God over the cancer. And it ain't there no more. I know that's bad grammar, but I don't care. It ain't there no more. Because they used the word against that word. It was factual. You could see it. You could see it on the CT scan. You could see it. But they used the word against that thing. And they pushed it out of the way. And it had to disintegrate. It had to disintegrate. It had to disintegrate. Whatever problem you have, you use the word to press it against that thing. You use your shield and you block it and you block it and you block it. Like this. I don't care how hard he presses. This is kind of big and I can't see you. But you, you, you push him out of the way. I know, I told you I wasn't going to walk. I'm sorry. 
You push him out of the way. You push and you push and you push. Don't let him push you. Don't let him push your buttons. You push him. You bully him. It's time that you stop letting the enemy torment you and harass you and bully you and push you and push your buttons. He pushes your buttons. There are hot buttons that every one of us to have, and he's going to push them because he gets a reaction. But you know what? We need to be smart. Oh, that's a hot button. Mm. I refuse. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Mm. Mm. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. But you got to push back on the devil. I want y'all to be fired up when you leave here and stay fired up. I want you to be so on fire for God's word. Is the only thing that will make the difference in your life. It will save your life. It's it's vital for survival. That's not a new quote, but as I was studying, I just heard him say it's vital for survival. The word is vital for our survival. I love the Amplified because it uses vital necessity. I'm big on words. I love words. I should have been an etymologist, which is the study of words, because I'm very particular about what I say. My team calls me the word police, but I don't care. They've been with me for a long time, so they know that if we have a song and it has something in it and I just kind of go like that, I'm like, oh, she don't like that. She's going to change some words. Right, because we're going to sing faith. We're going to sing faith up in here. We're not going to sing whiny songs. You know, our team is called Vertical Worship. Now, I know there really is a band called Vertical Worship, but it spoke to me because the Lord showed me. He said, you don't want it to be horizontal. Horizontal is this way. I don't want to sing to you. I don't want to sing to your emotions. This team doesn't want to sing where you are. We're not going to sing songs about where you are. Because <laughs> that keeps you where you are. We don't want to keep you in the emotional realm. We don't want to keep you all about your problems. We want to exalt Jesus. And when you exalt Jesus, ooh, he comes on the scene. The power comes on the scene. The anointing comes on the scene. The Holy Spirit comes on the scene. And it will change your circumstance. It will change your atmosphere. It will change your perspective. The, real, the thing it does, it changes us. That's why we sing songs that glorify God, that exalt Jesus, that are they're, they're vertical. They, they're all about Him. Because when you talk about Jesus, you talk about his blood, you talk about his power, he can't help but come on in. Amen? Glory to God. So the phrase, will be able, 
you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. That's another important phrase. And it means by use of this shield, you will have explosive and dynamic power. That wherewith you will be able, it's all, it's funny because it's a lot of words, but in one Greek word it means dunamis. Ha ha ha. What word do we get from dunamis? Dynamite. So we're talking about some dynamic power here. So Paul wanted us to get something. He was trying to make this point that we've got incredible, supernatural power that occurs when we use our shield of faith. When we lift up the shield of faith, God comes on the scene. It's your impenetrable wall of defense. This reminds me of Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, and it says, The Lord is a man of war. But in that passage there, they, God had just delivered the Israelites from the Red Sea. You know, he had parted the Red Sea so they could cross. The Pharaoh and all the Egyptians were chasing them. They were on their tail. They were chasing them, chasing them, chasing them. And he held out his rod, and God parted the Red Sea. And they began to sing this song. And part of the words were, the Lord is a man of war. But this was an acknowledgement that God was fighting the battle. He was fighting it for them. His people relied upon him to bring them through. They couldn't do it on their own. Like I said before, God is always about protection for his people. It's covenant talk. And that's when I began to think about, I was like, Lord, you said to Abraham in Genesis 15, 1, you were his shield, his compensation, his reward. Oh, my gosh, you've, you've always been our shield. He's always been our shield. Even in the Old Testament before Jesus, even before he gave us his armor, like Paul wrote in Ephesians, He's been your shield. He's been our shield. He's been his people's shield. This is covenant. God takes covenant seriously. He is a man of his word. That's why you can stand before him. It doesn't matter what your past has been. You stand before him righteous. That's why you can wear the breastplate of righteousness. Because if you're born again, you're washed in the blood of Jesus, and it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. You can have been a murderer, and God doesn't see murderer. You can have done all kinds of things, and it doesn't matter. You stand before him righteous and pure and just as much of his child as Jesus. Hallelujah. So you have that supernatural empowerment at your disposal. I love this. Adonai Savat or Jehovah Savah or sometimes it's called Jehovah Sabbat. It means he's captain of the angel armies. It means Lord of hosts. We say in English, he's the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is with you. 
and with the Lord of hosts is with you. Ha, ha, ha. Ooh, come on now. Come on. His angelic army is on your side. Does that not just make you happy? The Lord of hosts is on your side. There's a host. There's an angelic army. There are more with you than are against you. I say it like this. Ain't no devil in hell going to stop you from fulfilling the plan of God for your life. There's no devil. There's no demon. There's no tactic. There's no scheme. There's no plan. There's nothing that he can do when you're wearing your armor, you're speaking the word, you've got your shield, you've got your breastplate, you know who you are, and you're walking in peace. Every piece of the armor is important. Okay? You can't have the breastplate of righteousness and your shield of faith and the boots of, of strife. Okay? We've got to walk in peace. We've got to walk in love. It all works together. Every piece of the armor is important. But when the Lord of hosts is on your side, there's nothing that you can't do. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you look like. God has a doorway for you to go through. He makes a way. Think about Paul. Think about Paul, how bad Paul was beaten. Think about all the things that Paul, the Apostle Paul, went through. God protected him. God sustained him. God provided for him. And God will do the same for you. And, of course, there's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that God has done that for since Paul that we could use as examples. But I want you to see that God wants to do the same for you. By holding up your shield of faith in front of you, and it's been anointed by the Holy Spirit and saturated with the Word of God, your faith positions you to move in God's explosive dynamic power. There is an unseen connection between the power of God and the operation of faith in your life. Okay? You don't see it with the natural eye. You have to see it with the eye of faith. But when they're working together, it builds a strong wall of defense that the enemy's tactics cannot penetrate. I love the word impenetrable because it means it can't get through. I'm behind this and you can't get me. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. You can't get to me. Remember how the kids would do that? Well, we don't have to nanny, nanny, boo-boo. We just put up our shield and we say, uh-uh, not here. You're messing with the wrong person. No. I've got my shield of faith. You can't penetrate it. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. There's going to be a lot of verses here. I take comfort and I'm encouraged and I confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? 
when you use your shield of faith, the way that you build your layer upon layer upon layer and make that shield of faith strong is with the word. It's things like this that you say. It's verses like this that you say. It's verses like this that you stand on. When something is coming against you, you say, I am, I am, I'm taking comfort. I am encouraged. And I confidently, and yes, I boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Lord, you're my helper. I'm not going to be seized with alarm. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to dread. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to dread. I know what this letter says, and it says that they're going to do this, this, and this to me. But I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to do your word. I'm going to stand on your word. Lord, I've been diagnosed with this, and it says that, you know, I've got to do this, and I have to do this, and this disease is going to do this to me, and this treatment's going to be do this to me. But I'm standing on your word, Lord. I'm using my shield. That's practically applying it. Okay? That's how you practically apply it. Man will tell you one thing. And there may be some things that you need to follow. If there's a treatment that you need to follow, that's fine. But you go into that treatment with your shield. You go into that treatment. You take that medication with the word. You couple it together with the word. Because truly the healer is not the medicine. It's Jesus. It relieves the symptoms. But bottom line, above all, he's the healer. Amen? Psalms 119, 5 through 9. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and he answered me, and he set me free in a large place. So sometimes we are distressed. We are stressed. Life happens. But in the distress, call on him. Don't call on Facebook. Don't text. Call on him. Because ain't nobody going to get you out of the stress or the distress but him. Somebody may talk you off the cliff, but you know what? It, it's not, you're not completely at peace. You're like justified in your mind maybe. It might help some, but you want to be comforted. You want to be counseled. You want to be set at peace by the great almighty, not just somebody else's experience that they've gone through, right? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. So this is emphatic here. This is an emphatic. We have to make it as an, as an emphatic statement. I'm going to try not to be afraid. No, it says, I will not be afraid. You know, if you find yourself going, well, I, I, I don't know what to say. I'm supposed to build up my shield of faith. How do I do that? You just quote the word. Just quote the word. Speak, speak what it says. It says, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side. I, he takes up for me. <laughs> it goes on to say, this is a little bit my paraphrase, but basically it says this, I pity those that are against me and hate me. It's better to trust in and take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in smart people. I'm going to put my confidence in the wisdom of God, not the intelligence of man. 
That's putting confidence in the word of God, and then it, it's your shield. When your confidence and your trust is in the word of God, okay, then you can, with confidence and boldness, it's not arrogance, it's complete confidence in God's ability. It's not our ability that we have the confidence and arrogance in. It's confidence in what he can do when I speak his word. You see, it's his word. He gave it to me to speak. He gave you his word to speak out of your mouth. He gave you the authority to speak his word. Let me liken it like this. If I gave you authority to go to my house, and I said, I want you to go get this for me. But here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to take my key, and then once you unlock the door, then you're going to have to, uh, what do you say, deactivate the alarm. Now, if you took my key, and I didn't tell you to go to my house and get something for me, and you couldn't deactivate the alarm, the popos are going to come, and they're going to get you. And they're going to say, what you doing here? You don't have authority. But if I gave you my key and I gave you my code and I said, I want you to go get this for me, please. And you did. Nothing would happen to you and you went on my authority. I gave you permission. God, in the same way, gave you and I permission to use his word. So you have every right. You have every right to speak this word over your life, your situation, your family. You have every right. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Well, you that's just a little bit much, don't you think? Well, that's, I don't know if he could do that or not. No. He gave you authority to speak this word. I don't know about you, but I get all fired up when I read the word. Psalms 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear or dread? The Lord is the refuge and stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Take note of these scriptures because they've said like four times now, what can man do to me? The answer is nothing, by the way. God has things for you that man, not, man cannot take away. God has doors for you to go through. He has plans for you that there's no man that is big enough or bad enough or bold enough to take away from you. Now, if you let it, okay, it'll happen. That's why you've got to stand strong and say, no, devil, you're not taking this from me. I'm not going to let you steal from me. You stole long enough. No, no more. Amen? I want to read one last scripture here because it uses one of my favorite words. Psalms 46, 1 through 3. This is the amplified version. It says, God is, I'm going to make it personal, my refuge and my strength. He's mighty and impenetrable. Ha ha. 
a very present and well-proven help in trouble. That, that means he's proved himself. He's proved himself as a well-abled help in time of need. Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth should change, though the, if, if the mountains be shaken into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble and they're swelling and they're tumultuous, I will not be afraid. And then it says, Selah. Pause and think calmly of that. That word Selah is very important in Hebrew. It means to breathe and to be calm and to think about those things. You have to think about the word. You have to ponder upon it. We say the word meditate upon the word. But I don't want to use the word meditate because that can be taken in a wrong way. We ponder, we think about it. You have to think about it. What does that mean? What does that mean to me? How does that affect me? Am I being affected by the word? Remember last, last time I spoke? Am I being affected by the word or am I being infected by all the junk? We need to be affected not infected. The world wants to infect you with all the strife and the division and the junk and the stress and the ugh. But God wants us to be affected by the word because when you're affected by the word, you, it makes a difference in your life. And you're changed. The whole idea of the word in our life is so that we'll be changed. We, won't, we don't want to be the same. I don't want to be the same. Do you want to be the same? Do you want to be like you are now next week, next year? I don't. I want to be better. I want to be farther along. I want to know more. We'll have to do something about it. It doesn't just come. I wish it was like one of those little USB ports, you know, and you could just go, and it would just download. That'd be great, wouldn't it? It's not. It doesn't work that way. We have to put it in. But you know what? God multiplies. When you give him just a little bit, just a little bit of time, he will multiply it. When you give him time, say, Lord, there's so much to learn. Because I, when I go before him and I'm like, there's so much, there's so much. And it's, it's overwhelming because I want to learn it all at one time and I can't and I only have this much time and he says don't worry it's all good I'll take the time that you have and I'll multiply it and so you become like a sponge and he just downloads 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 and you'll be surprised how much you know because one thing hinges upon the other hinges upon the other hinges upon the other and it all connects Hallelujah. So a couple more things I have to tell you about this shield. Back to Ephesians 6.16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall, you will be able to quench or to stop or to extinguish 
every fiery dart of the wicked. You've got to soak your shield in the water of the word. Amen? So when those flaming arrows come, you can extinguish them. You know, the days that we're living in are, are not very different than the days of Paul, really and truly. You know that the, the letters that he wrote to Ephesians and Colossians and Philippi and Corinthians, those cities were full of um, persecution of the Christians. They, were, they had financial problems. They had all kinds of stuff, strife and division. And it was affecting the church. There was a huge sexual industry because of the gods and goddesses that they would worship. Okay? And so there was a lot of idolatry. There was a lot of prostitution, a lot of pagan practices, gambling, you know. Things that we see in our society today were going on back then. Nothing's new, right? So the church was dealing with carnality. That's why he wrote this to the Ephesians. They were dealing with strife and division and, you know, carnality. It had creeped into the church. And it, it, it's trying to creep into the church of today. And we need to say no. You can't be carnal. You can't be a carnal Christian. I don't mean to step on any toes, but, you know. If the shoe fits, what are you supposed to do? No, uh No, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to give you something new. Are you ready? If the shoe fits, we need to outgrow that shoe. Okay? Because here's why. If that shoe, if, because the way we say it, well, if that shoe fits, that means that we, we can identify with that. But if we can identify with that, it may be something that we need to grow out of. That's what I mean in the, talk, in the context of which I'm saying. So, carnality is trying to creep into the church. And, and we've got to say no. We can't act carnal and experience the power of God. We can't react carnally and have the power of God operating in our life. Okay, so when you're on your job and you get mad or something happens, and let's say it's a legitimate wrong thing towards you, it's a legitimate frustration, you can't just like haul off and and then, you know, react in a carnal way. It may be something that you've got to just reel it in and say, Lord, I've got to have wisdom, I've got to correct here. Something legitimately happened, but you've got to correct in God's wisdom and not through carnality. If, especially if you want, if the spirit of God needs to come through and correction has to go forth. Because that does have to happen. You've got to correct in love by the spirit. But we've got to make sure that we're not operating in carnality in, in, in the ways that it says. And I'm not, you know, I don't think anybody in here is any gross, perverse, Converted sin. But sometimes we cop an attitude and we just like, I ain't going to deal with that. You, you're off my list. I'm not talking to you anymore. 
right? And we write people off, we write things off, and we walk in strife, we open the door, we say things we shouldn't, we get offended. Ooh. Being offended is wrong. You can't live and stay offended and have the power of God in your life, okay? I love you enough to tell you that, okay? So we can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. That was what was going on in Ephesians, in Colossians, in Philippines, in Corinthians. A lot of that stuff is what was going on when, you know, when you read the book of Revelations and the seven churches. A lot of things were going on like that. So, we want to be the glorious church, right? The one where Jesus walks through. You know, Jesus comes to church and he walks through the aisles and he looks. He's looking. He looks and he listens and he watches. I want him to be well pleased with this church. I want him to be well pleased with me. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14 say, I'm closing, be alert and on your guard, stand firm in your faith, keep the trust and holy hunger stirred up in you, act like men and be courageous and grow in strength. Psalms 31, 34 says, be strong and let your heart take courage all you who wait and hope for and expect the Lord. And the last scripture is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 15 through 17. Brethren, stand firm and hold fast to the instructions and the teachings which you were taught by us. This is Paul talking here. Whether by letter or by word of mouth. May the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father who loved and gave us everlasting consolation and encouragement and hope through his grace, may it comfort you, encourage you, and strengthen you and make you to be steadfast and unswerving in every good work for the Lord. Isn't that good? That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 15 through 17. But the thing that makes us unswerving and immovable and impenetrable is the truth of his word, using it as our shield. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word today. Lord, let the things that have shared with your people today, encourage, strengthen, Lord. Let certain things come back right when they need it. Let us, Lord, lift high our shield of faith, which is the word of God, and quench every thought, every imagination, every, imagination, every dart, every missile that the enemy throws against us. We quench it. We stop it. We thwart it 
with our shield of faith. We hold it high. We hold it in front of us. Father, we cooperate with you. We choose to cooperate. 